This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Stephen Motu. Stephen's got a magnificent reputation as part of the leadership team at Innova. Innova is one of the great gems of systems in the country. And, and thrilled to visit with Dr. Motu today about sort of the high-quality efforts at Innova, what he's seeing with COVID, his advice for leaders, his career, and a little bit more. Dr. Motu, can you take a moment to introduce yourself? Hi, Scott. Um, thank you so much. Um, it's a it's a pleasure to share some time with you. And um, I'll, I'll share a little bit of how I got to Innova, where I've been for a year and a half. Um, I, I grew up um, in the north suburbs of Chicago, and my, my father was uh, an OB. And looking back now, um, I relate several seminal moments in my life that led me on this pathway that now uh, includes um, administrative and executive leadership. Uh, But foundationally, it was watching that interaction that my dad had with his patients. He was a fertility specialist. So he was able to bring joy and a relationship. And um, that I'm not sure that I really knew it at the time, but as I've reflected back, um, that that was a real motivating factor that has led throughout my career. And um, I did all of my medical training in Chicago at the University of Illinois. Uh, Surprisingly, never felt the same pull to OBGYN as my dad did, but was really interested in complexity and using my hands and found myself down at Wake Forest for vascular surgery fellowship. Um, Once that was uh, completed, perfect timing in my life to stay in Winston-Salem, which is heavily leveraged town with healthcare. Uh, And I hadn't really planned on this, but wound up joining private practice, which was another real seminal component of experience that I had. I'd always really thought I was going to wind up in academics, and this opportunity was just too much to pass up. And the reason that that I'm um, bringing this up is the first 10 years of my career was in a very typical, high-quality, high-touch, patient-centered growth mode of a practice in a busy medical town. And uh, it loved it. Uh, To this day, clinical work is where I'll always feel at home, even though I don't do much of it now. And I had the opportunity, uh, as I was looking at the healthcare environment at that time, that was about the time when it became more obvious that the business of medicine and healthcare was really starting to pay attention to outcomes as a necessary component, which almost seems embarrassing that that, that was an enlightenment. And, and as that was happening, mostly with the direction from CMS and our payers and the rise of consumerism amongst patients, it really motivated me to say, I think it's, it's time for clinical leadership to have a real direction and say now that there was such such alignment. Um, it wasn't just about filling beds in hospitals. It was about staying busy and assuring that um, outcomes were excellent. And that, that was my motivation for making this massive shift really at the height of my clinical career to get more and more involved with the business and the leadership component of medicine. And um, as it would be, I had fortunate uh, mentors and opportunities with um, uh, in Winston-Salem and wound up uh, raising my hand a lot, volunteering a lot, 
and the next thing I know, uh, I'm leading an entire market for a large integrated healthcare system, uh, which was just just absolutely um, enjoyable experience. And a lot of folks say, well, wait a second, you know, you're a doctor, you put all this effort into fellowship and so forth. Why why would you quote give that up? You know, did, did did you do something? Did somebody make you do this? And I've never felt that for a minute. Um, I really feel that my calling is to take the experience that I was able to deliver one on one with patients as a surgeon and and treating physician and expand my reach by helping others do that more and more. And take a moment. Mm-hmm. Take take a moment, Stephen. Talk about Dr. Motu about. You've talked about raising your hands a lot. You've also talked about, and, and I find in leaders it's so important, that willingness to volunteer and say, I'll do that, I'll take that, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. You, you've also did this magnificent transition from clinician to leader, and so many physicians that are satisfied with the long-term career have done a couple different things in their career. They just haven't done one thing all the way through. It can be a prescription for burnout. You, you found a second calling, a second career in medicine, in, in leadership, talk a little bit about for a second, then I want to take you back to Nova in a moment. Talk a little bit about pieces of advice, a few pieces of advice that you would either give to physicians trying to have satisfying great careers or to leaders, and, or it could be a little bit of a mix of both. What advice do you give people that are either leadership or trying to have great careers? Great, thanks. Um, first, uh, I start with the baseline that. Um, Physicians, and I would say a lot of clinical leaders, physicians in particular, um, are, are leaders almost by definition, uh, meaning that the capabilities that are required include all of the things of uh, thoughtful listening, um, working in teams, guiding others, making difficult decisions, um, gathering information uh, to make sound decision. So um, my, my experience has been, while all physicians um, don't aspire to different types of leadership, um, by all physicians are leaders. So first um, advice is to recognize that, that, that what happens in day-to-day life taking care of patients is very leader-like. Um, the second thing is, uh, and this has guided me, I've learned more about it over time, is to recognize and pause to identify your your personal values. What is it that drove you to a human sport of healthcare and taking care of people one-on-one in that relationship? And what are the opportunities to align that with um, a larger purpose if that's if that's important to you, and that that may show up to to your your question of um, volunteering, which really means expanding your passion to opportunity. And um, I, I would then recommend that where you see that aligning with your personal vision and values, which for me is excellence in care and recognizing, you know, outcomes that matter to patients, expand upon that. It doesn't all have to be, you know, volunteer per se, but um, that, that was a great guide, guide for me. And then sort of my last advice on that transition, which, um, you know, particularly as, as a vascular surgeon is uh, recognize and practice with humility. Um, I think that that's a, um, uh, uh, a really uh, pointed lesson that I've learned. Um, there are times in the clinical careers where we're clearly leading teams and we're in dire situations and um, not a lot of time 
to uh, do anything other than make quick decisions and move and lead declaratively. And balancing that with, um, you know, I think back a lot to um, a perspective that Ray Dalio from Bridgewater has, which is, um, if you if you think you're right, ask the question and say, how do I know that I'm right? Which to me is a reflection of, you know, pause for a second and recognize um, how to expand upon your leadership with those that are around you, uh, knowing that that you don't know all all of the answers, um, and and that those were the little pieces of experience and advice that I was gaining as I was making that transition, which I, I think really helped uh, accelerate um, my leadership development. And, and I think fantastic. I mean, both the mix of knowing your personal values, taking the time to reflect on what you're trying to do, the concept of humility, and then the concept you mentioned first, which is becoming an unpopular thing today to, today to say, which is but so true is that almost all physicians, one way or another, have made it all the way through medical school. They've worked extremely hard. They've worked in a ton of different settings. They're often leading or partially leading a clinical setting. So one way or another, the mix of intelligence, personal skills, analytical skills makes them prepared for leadership. And then it's a choice as to whether they want to pursue leadership and also developing their own emotional intelligence for leadership and so forth, which you've done a magnificent job on. Dr. Martin, let me ask you another question. That original transition out of clinical work where so many physicians get so much of their esteem into leadership, what was that like, that original evolution and transition? Was that was it hard? Were you ready for that? What were, what were some of your thoughts on that very quickly? Yeah, well, it, it was gradual. So it was um, like – uh, eventually you open your eyes and you realize that um, your passion in your day-to-day -day work has gone from being in a clinic and an operating room and on call every day to a whole bunch of different work um, as far as what you do day-to-day. -day. Um, for me, uh, it was the actual work, the decisions, the leadership, the ed the additional education that many of us get go on to get was was very seamless because of the components that um I mentioned before about aligning that to where you want to be. Um there was a a moment that all of a sudden I said, "Wow, now now I'm uh, you know as my colleagues would call me, now I'm a suit instead of a scrub." And that moment happened when I had to go to my partners at the time and let them know that I was no longer um, able to take call, uh, which is sort of that that necessary evil of uh, of physicians, which is uh, a commitment to working after hours and long hours, and we all just accept that. And it was very hard to do it, but that was the de declarative moment. And and from that point on, um, I would say that in no way do I feel that I am working any less hard than than when I was in uh, the clinical realm. It's just different. Got it. Now, let me ask you this question. You're at ANOVA now. ANOVA is a brilliantly led system. Talk for a few moments about ANOVA and a few points of pride in ANOVA. Yeah, the um, uh, opportunity here uh, that, that led me to ANOVA predicated very heavily on the vision of Stephen Jones, our, our CEO. Um, the opportunity is really just amazing. So um, but there's a couple things that really ring 
to pride in what we've been able to accomplish as a team here. Um, the first is the ongoing recognition that um, for a long time, and just as much now as previously, Inova has maintained a focus on high reliability and high quality organization as an organization for delivering healthcare. Uh, we are the only system in the country of its size that has five hospitals that are all five hospitals that are CMS five star, leapfrog A across the board, numerous awards, a a gynecology program that's ninth in the the country by U.S. News. So um, I'm very, very proud of the ongoing focus of patient centricity and outcomes. And and that's what drives me personally. The um, the other uh, one of the other ones, which is so timely has really come to light that we were in the midst of an entire operating model change uh, that we started about a year ago in a reorganization when COVID hit. And um, we used that opportunity and leveraged it to respond to COVID in a way that um, I could have never imagined. I would put these teams against any other health system in the country. We were high volume COVID. We were um, struggling with all of the uh, uh, other problems that in some ways continue and in some ways continue to evolve and we're able to um, deliver outcomes that demonstrate mortality substantially below risk adjusted norms and um, keeping our teams safe. And so let me ask you this question, Dr. Motu. You've had, talk a little bit more about at ANOVA the pride in doing great quality work, patient quality, healthcare quality. Yeah, so a little bit of this is um, how ANOVA is evolving. So what I've learned and what we're proud of here is that the individuals delivering care, whether that be the respiratory therapist, the nurse, the physician, the advanced practitioner, are, are some of the most outstanding talent that I've ever seen. And um, uh, I've had the opportunity to visit and know health systems across the country. I was at a very high-performing system prior to this. And I can honestly say that the talent here is unmatched. And it's because of that that the foundation has been uh, uh, incredibly strong. What we have been working on is embedding a a very clear direction through rework of our mission, vision, values, and our strategic operating model to, number one, unequivocally identify that outcomes is for patients is the uh, core business that we excel at. And um, history of ANOVA has shown lots of other areas that um, have been points of pride over the years. And we're now taking that very unique focus. We've, we've actually redesigned to call our core business the clinical enterprise. So we've declared it, you know, my role in particular, which I share with um, two nurses, one who's um, an associate uh, uh, chief, chief of the clinical enterprise, who is our operations leader and our chief nursing executive. The three of us make that team, and that is how we are leading. So there's, there's no difference now between what happens at a hospital or a clinic or, um, 
with regard to safety and outcomes. Uh, we're all aligned along um, that model, which is also based, uh, more importantly, most importantly, on clinical service lines. So that is that is how we've. Uh, begun to continue to accelerate that journey. And the components of the tactical components of that are high reliability, just culture, zero harm, rigid patient centricity, recognizing that things like patient experience are outcomes that matter just as much as safety. Um, And uh, creating that narrative tactically, and then more importantly, aligning our most senior leaders as a guiding coalition to adaptively um, uh, drive the change management, to to uh, adhere to and recognize the philosophy of, of care. Um, that's our that's our focus. I believe that that is uh, why we are where we are, and and why the opportunity here over the next um, however many years is is immense. So, so you've had this remarkable career. You spent a lot of time in in the Charlotte area, North Carolina. You you grew up in the Chicago area. You're now in Washington. And I guess the question I have is, do you remain sort of a Chicago Bears, a Bulls fan, or have your loyalties transferred to whatever the teams are, Charlotte, the Panthers, and so forth, or the Washington football team, the Capitals, or are you still Blackhawks, Bears, Bulls, et cetera, fan? Well, let me be clear, Scott. Um, I my first of all, my parents grew up on the south side of Chicago, so I am a White Sox fan. Uh, love it or hate it, um, 2005 was as proud for the White Sox as the Cubs celebrated several years ago. I am a Bears fan. I am a Bulls fan, and I am a Blackhawks fan. I am also a sports fan, um, so I do not um, move to the fair weather category, but I enjoy our local teams tremendously. So um, when when the world changes back, you will definitely be seeing me at Capitals games and Washington football team uh, games um, and so forth. But uh, my heart and loyalties are absolutely to Chicago sports teams. And so to, to your credit, the White Sox are on the rise and getting better in a hurry, and the Cubs, who are more of the North Side team, are moving in the wrong direction. Um, we like the Sox. We don't love the Sox, but, but I, I do like them a great deal. But I knew I was more a Cubs fan when the White Sox won the World Series, and I wasn't as excited as I should be. You're also a UNC guy and, and an Emory person. Um, an anthropology major, UNC. Have you become a Tar Heels fan? Did you become a Dean Smith fan in doing a master's at University of North Carolina? Well, um, here's the, here's how this works. The answer is absolutely. I struggled my entire adult career. I loved Emory, would never, uh, 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 is the best decision to, to, le- to leave where I grew up and go somewhere else. Um, uh, education was fantastic, but Emory doesn't really have recognized one sports. So my entire life, I felt left out. Um, yeah, I almost went to U- Illinois or Michigan. Those were all on my top list. I chose a smaller college. So I have been in search of a college team, and I just decided that I would fo- follow back to the roots of Michael Jordan. So that led me to UNC, and when I wound up getting my master's in administ- healthcare administration there, I think I earned some of the um, chops to be able to claim uh, myself as being a Tar Heel. Nobody's complained yet, and, and it, yes, it also means that I have a big problem with Duke. 
and that's that's the great fun of it, quite frankly. It's as much fun to be a Tario fan as it is to hate the Cameron crazies and so forth. So God bless you. Dr. Mocho, a great pleasure to visit with you today. What what a pleasure and what a remarkable career. Thank you for joining the Becker Self Care Podcast today. Thanks, Scott. Anytime.